Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited that you decided to join us for our sermon series, Unfinished, where we discuss how our current situation is not our final situation, and God's work in our life is simply unfinished. Hope you enjoy. Hey, I hope this sermon series blessing people. Anybody been blessed by the word that we're sharing? I really hope so. You know, I don't, I don't preach because I like to hear my own voice. I actually hate to hear my own voice. Um, I fast forward through the podcast because uh, I can't stand to hear my own voice, but I um, I do really hope that they help you when I'm in my office and when I'm in the kitchen. My prayer is not, God, give me something that will impress them, that will make them say amen, although it does help when you say amen. My prayer is, God, give me something that's going to help people get through what they're going through. And I highlighted the word when today because today I want to talk about the topic of waiting. Oh, yeah, waiting. Has anybody ever had to wait for something? Raise your hand if you've ever had to wait for something, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you're waiting for something right now. All right, yeah, now keep it up. Now, I'm not talking about FedEx. I'm not talking about UPS. I'm not talking about Amazon Prime one day, Amazon Now. You know, I'm talking about uh, keep your hand up uh, if, you've been, if you're waiting for something in your life to happen. Like, you've been waiting for, okay, now I really want you to stretch it higher if you've been waiting for a long time. Like, you've been single for 10 years. Like, come on, hi. You know, I'm talking about you've been, you've been waiting for a long time for that that to make five figures and to, to get off food stamps. So you've been waiting for a long time to have a car with air conditioning that works. And you've been waiting for a long time, you know, to tell your friend to be proud of the school that you go to. You know, like, have uh, ever experienced that? What school you go to? Uh, community college. Uh, you know, but it's like, but one day I'll be at the university. You know, I'm just, if you've been waiting a long time, come on, you can put your hand down. I want to talk to you today about waiting. And I want to talk about waiting on, in two fronts. First off, I want to talk about why we wait. Because even though we kind of are not children anymore, we never really grow out of the child inside of us that doesn't want to be told what to do. They want to be told why are we doing it. And so I want to take just a couple of minutes to talk about why we wait. But then more importantly, I want to help you wait by teaching you what to do while you wait. Because patience is not waiting. Do you know that? Like you're going to wait regardless. You know what I'm saying? Patience is how you wait. And so I want to teach you how to wait, what to do while you're waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled in your life, what to do while you're waiting on your first child, what to do while you're waiting on that promotion, what what to do while you're waiting for God to send that special someone into your life, what to do while you're waiting for your ministry to be born, what to do while you're waiting to save up enough money to get a down payment on that house, what to do while you're waiting for a loved person to finally make that decision to come back to Jesus or your coworker or your boss that you've been praying for, what to do while you're waiting. And that's why I've titled today's sermon, In the Meantime. In the Meantime. What to do while we're waiting. First, I want to talk about the importance of waiting and why waiting is so important. Now, it's, it's, let's be honest. Waiting is not fun. And anybody who says that waiting is fun is a liar. Uh, recently, I was encouraged to get on the Avatar ride at Pandora at Animal Kingdom. Has anybody been on that ride yet? Yeah. You know why only seven people have? Because of the wait. Okay? My wife and I have Disney passes. We give Disney literally thousands of dollars a year. I do not expect to wait on any lines if I'm giving you thousands. So my friends are telling me, you've got to get on this ride for Pandora. There's only one problem. You'll never get a Fast Pass for it. If you're not familiar with the Fast Pass world, if you're a Disney Pass holder, you can subscribe for these Fast Passes that help you skip the line. That's awesome. But you can never get a Fast Pass for this ride. 
So my friends are like, no, man, it's worth it. You got to go. I know it's a two-hour wait, but you got to go. And, and then they told me this. This is where I knew they were lying. They're crazy, and they had just been seduced by the beauties of Disney. They told me, they said, and the line is so cool, it's actually fun to wait. Yeah, right, bro. You know, it's so great. They got a cool lab. And listen, I don't care what they have. I don't care if they have trained monkeys serving us pineapple while they massage our feet. It was real specific and weird, but is the, whatever reason, the only thing I didn't come up with. Waiting is never fun. And sure enough, it was a two-hour wait. Now, the ride itself was fun. That almost made me forget about the waiting. Hello, there's a lesson right there. Sometimes when God does fulfill the promise, it actually converts the waiting that was a time of sorrow into a time of joy because it, there's a worth in the wait. But you can never celebrate in the middle of waiting. You can only come out the ride talking about, that was awesome. I'll do it again right now. No, 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 no. Right now, because waiting is not fun. That's why I joke. I tell people the greatest innovation in the past 10 years is not the Apple Watch. The greatest innovation in the past 10 years is not Alexa. The greatest innovation in the last 10 years is the ability to, to renew your tags and registrations online. Give God some praise. Do you remember the days? where you had to walk into the DMV to get a little number, a little yellow sticker on the back of your car. Hours, no matter what time you got there. Hours. The greatest innovation is to be able to go online and say, this is my information, and they mail it to you without waiting. My goodness. And the most frustrating part about it was that they'd make you bring so many documents, and they make this whole bureaucratic system, and I'm standing in front of the lady like, ma'am, you have the power. Just give me the freaking sticker, please. We are a church where we say freaking, so I apologize if that offends you. It's, it, it, it means nothing else but frustrating. Give me the frustrating sticker. It's frustrating me. I want the sticker. Just give me the other sticker. You have the power. You know, it's frustrating when we wait on God and we know he has the power. It's like, I know that you could do it. Why are you making me wait? Why are you torturing me? Why are you dragging this out? I know that you can do it. And I learned the purpose behind waiting uh, in one of the worst fights my wife and I ever had as a married couple. Now, you know my wife and I don't fight often. I can count the amount of fights that we've ever had on one, maybe two hands, the fights we've ever had. And this was probably the, one of the worst, top five. Um, she, we're going to, uh, I don't know, it was one of those general stores, Marshalls, Ross, something like that. Anyway, long story short, we get there. She goes, hey, I'm going to go inside. She said, she said, I was with the boys in the back during their car seats. She said, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'll be right back is what she said. I'll be right back. I got a two-year-old and a three-year-old in the back seat of the car. Do you know how hard it is to keep an ent- uh, a two-year-old and a three-year-old entertained while they're strapped to a car seat? And I don't know what to do. If I had known how long she was going to be, I'd have gone outside. We'd have played a baseball game. We'd have written a novel. I didn't know that, though. And so we're just in the car because she says she'll be right back 75 minutes later. She walks in. She goes, "Woo, that was crazy. I'm like, yes. It was, what happened to I'll be right back? What happened? We get into a big argument, and, they, and, we, and we came to an agreement. And so this is the agreement now. Whenever she leaves me with the kids, <laughs> she has to tell me how long she's going to be gone. Because I don't mind waiting as long as I know the time. 
And so my wife and I now, that's what we do. We negotiate. We come to a, a negotiation. If you tell me the time, I don't, I don't mind my waiting. So, so now God works the same way except the complete opposite. My wife and I communicate the time so that we don't have to wait to avoid the tension that might test the patience in our relationship. God does the opposite. He withholds the time to make you wait, to create the tension in your relationship that develops your patience. And that's how he works. One of the reasons why we have to wait is because God wants to teach us patience. If you're taking notes, write that down. I'm waiting because I'm impatient. Yeah. I'm waiting because God wants to develop my patience because there's some things that are more important in life. And God knows those things. You see, I have two boys who are still little, little, and every week we have one version of the same argument. They want something that they can't have right now, and they cry. I tell them they have to be patient. They cry again, and then they say, I don't want to be patient. And every week it's the same argument, but it's for something else. Sometimes it's ice cream. Sometimes it's they want to you know, have a dessert before dinner. Sometimes they want to watch a movie before homeschool. Sometimes they, you know, want a toy that they haven't saved up enough money for. The point is, there's, there's crying, and then there's me telling them that they have to be patient, and then them crying some more because they don't have any patience. Now, would I be a good father if I gave them what they wanted when they cried? Would I be a good father? It's not a trick question. I promise you know the answer. Would I be a good father if I gave them what they wanted when they cried? Everybody on three. One, two, three. No, I wouldn't be a good father because there's some things more important than ice cream, like patience. I know that the ice cream will make him happy for 30 seconds. But I know that what more than the ice cream will make him happy for 30 seconds, I know that a good wife will make him happy for 60 years. But if he doesn't develop the patience now while he's four, he won't have the patience to wait for the right person. And then the first girl that looks his way and bats, bats her eyes, oh, you look, he's going to end up marrying her. And she might not be the person that God has. But because he hasn't learned patience, he jumps right on it. You see, that's how God works. He wants to give you the thing that you're asking for, but he understands that more important than your thing you're asking for is patience, which is a key that unlocks the door to everything that you're asking for. And so he's like, I can give you that, but if I give you that now, you won't develop patience. So I got to withhold it. And now the worst part is, because, you know, my son kind of has a point. He's saying, I don't have patience. And you know what? He's right. He's four. He's been on this earth for four years. He's a new human. He hasn't had the opportunity to develop patience, right? And so it's almost unfair because I'm asking him for something that I know that he doesn't have. Yet at the same time, I can't pull back because it's only exposing what he doesn't have that develops what he needs to have. See, God cannot develop what you don't expose. And so it's only until our impatience is exposed. Because how do you develop patience, by the way? You don't pray for it. And God gives you wake up in the morning, I feel more patient. No, God develops your patience by testing your impatience. And so as much as I want to pull back from my son because I feel bad, and as much as God feels bad in heaven watching you cry about the thing that you're waiting for, he's like, I can't pull away because if I pull away, this very tension will leave, and it's this very tension that's developing the thing inside of you that you need to get so much more in life. So one of the reasons why we wait is patience. Another re one of the reasons why we wait, and this is going to sound as like oxymoron, but one of the reasons why we wait in life, honestly, is to find joy. Now, I know I just said that waiting is never fun. But you got to hear me out. I really believe one of the reasons why we wait in life is to find joy. Recently, I've been using Netflix 
And for whatever reason, I've been like drawn to like the old shows. You know, like this past week alone, I watched uh, Doogie Howser, MD. Anybody? Come on. Dun, 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 dun. That was the theme song. It's weird, but it was a good show. Saved by the Bell. It's all right. You know I'll say by the bell. And then for whatever reason, the longest running sitcom of all time, Cheers. I want to go where everybody knows your name. Anyway, back to the message. So, but the thing is, these series, these shows have, 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 have run for so long. Um, I don't have the time to watch this entire series. So what I've been doing is real weird. Does anybody do this? I know this is weird. Don't judge me. I've been going to the last episode of the last season. Not even the last episode. I've been fast-forwarding to the last five minutes of the last episode of the last season of an 11-season show. And I've been doing that with all these shows. And I'm just getting through these shows like nobody's business. Just, and I don't know what I was expecting, but can I tell you, I was very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. I'm watching the last five minutes of a show that's been on for 12 years. And I'm like, I don't know what I was expecting. He just, he shuts off the life in the, in, in the bar. That's the final episode. He just shuts it off and he walks away. And I'm like, was that it? Is that all? And, and, I, and I share that with you because I think a lot of us feel like if we only knew how this story all ends, we would find joy in the, in, the, in the end of the story. But much like your favorite show, the end means nothing if you haven't been invested in the characters the whole entire time. What you come to find out is that the joy is not in the destination. The joy is actually in the journey. And yeah, the show can get weird. Are they going to break up? Or are they going to stay together? Are they going to break up? Or are they going to stay together? He died. Now he's back to life. This is crazy. It's crazy, but it's living in those ups and those downs and those doubts and those worries that actually brings joy to your life. My fear is that if God gave you a magic remote and gave you the opportunity to fast forward to the end of your life, you would, but you'd be disappointed because the joy that you're looking for in the end of your life is not found in the end of your life. It's in the fighting and in the striving and in the believing and in the praying. The joy is in the journey. I'd love to fast forward right now. Fast forward to when there's 1,000, 2,000 people in this church, but that will mean nothing if I cannot recall the times when there was 5 and 10 and 15 and 20. It's the joy that is in the journey that makes the destination so fulfilling. Amen? And this is why we wait. I, I once heard a story recently of a woman who had been, whose mother got baptized, and she was crying in the, in the hallway because she had been praying 20 years for her mother to make a decision to follow Jesus. The pastor came up to say, why are you crying? My mom got baptized. said, so you should be happy. He said, no. She said, no, you have no idea. I've been praying for 20 years. And in one moment, in a second of coming out of the water, 20 years of sorrow and pain turned into 20 years of joy because she's able to see how God used the waiting. Tell somebody it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting, all right? And so listen, this is why we wait. We wait so, God, so that God can develop patience. And honestly, we wait so that we can find joy in the now and not have to wait for the next thing to get joy. We can find it right now. And who we are. Now let me tell you uh, how we wait and what to do while we wait. Now, if you came last Sunday, you know that this sermon series is real particular because I'm incorporating art into every message. And last week, we uh, talked about pottery. And the reason why we're bringing art into every message is because I believe that there's something beautiful about an artist who never stops working on his canvas. Like if you didn't give an artist a deadline, they'd continue painting and tweaking. And 
often feel like that's God's process with us. He's in the process of building not a knockoff, but a once-in-a-lifetime masterpiece that is your life. And so he's going to spend his time on it. He's going to tweak it. He's going to build it. And he's going to develop it uh, to make sure that it looks exactly how he sees it uh, in his heart. And so I want to share with you uh, uh, an art form. And it's a very unique art form. Uh, It's actually one of the most ancient art forms of all time. And I had to think of an art form that took time because I knew I was preaching on patience and waiting. So I thought about painting, you know, because the Sistine Chapel took four years, took Da Vinci four years to finish, or Michelangelo four years to finish. Um, I, 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 was, I was, you know, tempted to talk about music because, you know, uh, this, this art form has actually become the largest art industry in the world. So I looked into music, but it turns out the music is not the largest industry. It's only a $16 billion industry. Now, you might say only $16 billion. Well, wait till you hear how big this industry is of art that I'm about to share with you. And you're probably thinking it must be movies, right? Because, yeah, but not really, because movies is only $46 billion a year industry. What I'm talking, and you can hold the image, but what I'm talking about is an industry that is worth, catch this, a year, $446 billion a year is this industry. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be weird, but you got to stick with me here. This industry is actually the beauty industry, the makeup art and cosmetology industry. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you're going to preach on makeup today, JJ? Really? Do you, do you use makeup? And I just want to uh, uh, allay your concerns. I do not use makeup. Um, but when I was thinking about patience, When I was thinking about patience, for some reason, makeup came to mind. I don't want to judge any of the women who wear makeup, and, uh, uh, but I will say that, uh, uh, you know, for all, this is a message not just for the women. This is a message for all the men who have ever had to wait in the living room, who have ever had to wait in the, when she knew what time we were leaving. But she said, no, no, I want my makeup to be fresh. It is a face, not a cantaloupe, okay? I don't know what you're talking about on this freshness. Just put it on, girl. We got somewhere to go, okay? I'm talking about that, all right? And for, for you, now, now you might think makeup, well, that's, that's just, you know, my wife has a little, this is a professional makeup kit of one of the makeup artists that goes to our church. This is a tool set, y'all. This is a tool set. And so we're not going to, so, so I need you to help me. I know the women, you guys are never going to see makeup the same way. Guys, bear with me, okay? You're never going to see a woman who's wearing makeup the same way. And the next time she walks out, you're just going to clap. You're going to be like, girl. Hey, my pastor preached about that this Sunday. I know how long that took. Way to go. All right, so I'm here. The women and the men here, okay? Women and the men. All right, so, so what to wait? And so what I did was we asked one of the makeup artists at our church who has her own business. We said, hey, could you do me a favor? Can you teach me everything there is to know about makeup? And because uh, I want to teach about it. And listen, Jesus taught through taxes. He taught through wine. He taught through farming. He used a bunch of different illustrations. So I'm just doing what Jesus did, using modern, you know, illustrations to illustrate timeless and ancient and biblical um, truths. And so I'm also going to be sharing from the life of David, which is important for you to know, because David is a man who had to wait. If you turn to your Bible to the book of 1 Samuel or you look at the screen, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, uh, David gets anointed to be king of Israel. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him as king in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and Samuel went to Ramah. What you need to know is that David gets anointed, some theologians believe, at the age of 10. But he doesn't really become king until the age of 37. And so David has to wait 27 years, and it's because he waited that he was able to step into what God told him. And I want you to know what's the only thing that's standing between you 
And what you know God has for your character, for your relationship, for your destiny is waiting. That's it. So if I can teach you how to wait, you will step into your promise. And so that's what I wanted to do today. So what she did was she actually recorded a video of her putting on makeup because uh, makeup is actually three phases. And so she did like a makeup tutorial. We're going to show him. I know this is weird. This is church, I promise. She's going to show a makeup tutorial on the screen. We're going to break it up into three phases, and there's going to be a life lesson in each one of those phases for you, whether you're a man or a woman, on how to wait in the meantime. So I don't know if you know this. Women will know. But the very first phase of makeup is not even about putting on makeup. That's how deep this goes, okay? The first, the first phase in makeup is, is cleaning I wrote it down so I didn't forget. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much. It's hard. You need notes for this. I'm telling you. Cleaning, moisturizing, and priming. You don't even put on makeup, okay? It's, it's literally preparing yourself to put on makeup. That's the whole first phase. And so I want to tell you about the first thing you can do in the meantime. Prepare. Prepare. You're taking notes right down. Prepare. Now, here's what you have to understand about the makeup preparation. When you're preparing your face to put on makeup, you're actually doing two things. You're removing and you're adding. What are you removing? I thought you were removing dirt. You're not. You're actually removing the dead skin cells that are on your face through this process called exfoliation. You guys are getting an education today through this process called exfoliation. Exfoliation is when you remove the dead skin cells from your face so that the makeup can sit in. The dead skin cells are literally too light. They cannot hold the weight of the makeup. And so you got to scrub them out because if you put makeup on a dead skin cell, then it actually breaks off from your face, leaving streaks in your makeup. And actually, Jesus said the exact same thing. That's right. Luke chapter 5, verse 37. To, oh, you think I'm playing. Luke chapter 5, verse 37 to 38. And no one puts wine, new wine into an old skin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skin. And it will be poured out and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine is to be put into new skins and both are preserved. Now, granted, Jesus wasn't talking about makeup, but he also wasn't talking about wine. He was talking about mindsets. He was saying, I can't give you a new thing until we get rid of the old thing. I can't give you a new blessing until we get rid of the old way of thinking. There are some old dead ways of thinking that God needs to remove in order to bless you the way he wants to bless you. My former pastor waited 12 years to have his first child. 12 years. By the time his third child, he had three now, was a teenager, he was already in his 50s. And I would talk to her. She goes, man, my dad is so wise. He gives me the best advice. I went up to him. I said, man, how'd you get so wise? He said, I didn't have my first kid till I was in my mid-30s. He goes, God, God saved me. God forbid. We were first trying when I was 18. I would have been the worst father when I was 18. God literally had to remove that blessing from me so that I can get rid of the old way of thinking so that he could teach me how to really be a father. He was taking things out to prepare me for. See, sometimes we think God is trying to hurt us when he takes things out of our lives, but what we don't know is that removal is actually a part of the preparation process. So sometimes he can't bless you because you're stingy. I'm sorry, I'm stingy. We're stingy. I don't want to be offended. See, and so what God has to do is he's got to break you down. He's got to remove your finances. We have one woman in our church who wants to teach our Financial Peace University class because she wants to help other people find financial freedom. She wrote me in an email. She said, my husband and I were down to one cent in our bank account. Can I tell you about them right now? They're some of the biggest givers in our church right now. Some of the largest. God has blessed them. But now they're giving away. Why are they giving away? What was God waiting for to happen in their life in order to bless them? He had to remove the money so that they can understand that money's not important. Once they understood that money was not important, it was a shift in mindset. It was a new mindset. Then God could bless them because now that they know that money is not important, he can give them a ton of it because he, he knows that they'll just give it away to those who need it. 
Are you tracking? So God will sometimes remove. Other times, God will add and God will equip. And that's what was happening with David. There was things that were being removed from his life. He didn't have family who loved him. He didn't have friends. It was him and the sheep. He removed people from his life so that he could understand that the only person you got to impress is God. That's why he was able to become a king, because he had his mindset shifted. He also was learning. Here's what I love about David. When David was told that he would become king, he didn't go get fitted for his crown. He didn't say, oh, really? I want to be king? Well, listen, I'm like a seven and three quarters, and uh, I'd like my crown with diamonds on the front, like some rubies on the back, maybe some sapphires on the left side, and some jade, you know, on the right. And No, you know what he did? He went back to tending sheep. He said, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to, he said, you know, as a king, you might have to kill some people, so I'm going to find a weapon. He said, well, I found a little sling, and I found a little stone. I'm going to go ahead and start practicing and start preparing and start getting ready. And now he's just knocking down cans. You know, I'm sure they didn't have cans back then, but you know what I mean. He's just knocking down cans, right? What's he doing? He's preparing, right? What's he doing? He's getting ready for the call. He's not waiting for somebody to come say, hey, be our king. He's preparing while the crown is on the way. You got to learn to prepare while the promise is on the way. He's learning to play the harp. And he gets so good. See, a lot of people think it was because he killed Goliath that brought him into the presence of King Saul. Not true. David did not end up in the presence of King Saul because of his victory. David ended up in the presence of King Saul because Saul was being tormented by demons. And he said, I need somebody to play music to relieve me. And somebody said, I heard a young man who's really good at playing music. He's been practicing, and I hear him. I think he'd be perfect. And it was his practice. It was his preparation that brought him into the presence of the king. I want you to know that what's going to bring you into the presence of the king is not the victories in your life. It's the preparation in your life. What are you doing right now to get ready to inherit the promise that God has for you? What are you doing? What are you doing right now to build it up? What are you doing to prepare? You got to prepare. And he could have got angry when his brothers mistreated him. He could have got bitter when his dad left him. But he didn't get bitter. He got ready. I'm trying to tell somebody. I know that they ignored you. I know that they, that they don't believe in you. I know that they didn't give you opportunities. But don't get down. Get ready. Don't get mad. Get ready. Don't get bitter. Get ready. Don't get upset. Get ready. Don't get depressed. Get ready. Don't get lonely. Get ready. Don't get desperate. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Because the promise is on the way. Get ready. Amen? Second part of the process. Here's what I learned. There is no one skin color. Now she's getting ready to do a process. I'm going to save the, the name. Well, I'll just tell you, that, but don't put the screen. The name of this process is called layering. There's color correcting, concealer, foundation, contouring. I told you you're going to get educated. And here's what I learned about this. This is where you try to match the color of the skin of the person. And there is no one skin color. And so in order to match the person's skin color exactly, in order to get it realistic, you actually have to put different layers of color on. And so it's not just one. Like, you don't be like, I'm black. I need black makeup. I'm like, I'm brown. I need brown makeup. I need white. No. There's a ton of colors, and you have to layer so you can mimic the actual complexion of the skin. What I'm trying to tell you is that real life happens in layers. Yeah, look at real life around you. Did you know that this happened in layers? Did you know that God in all of his infinite power could have said, let there be earth? But he didn't. He took seven days, and each day added a new layer. He said, first let's do the world, then let's bring the water, then let's bring uh, the, the, the vegetation, then let's bring the fish, then let's bring the animals, then let's bring the men. And here's what's interesting, that every layer that comes after it needed the layer before it in order to exist. So you can't create livestock without vegetables and fruit and grass. And so he sets up the layers in a certain way to prepare for the next layer. When God builds something, he builds it in layers. And when he's building something in your life, can I tell you, he's going to build it in layers. 
He's going to build it in layers. And so the second thing that you can do in the meantime, listen, it's, it's layer. It's layer. What do I mean? Let's go back to David's life. David gets told that he's going to be a king, but he doesn't go right to the throne. What does he do? He starts being a shepherd, and, he's, and he becomes the best shepherd he knows how. And then he gets the call to fight Goliath, and he kills Goliath. That was a layer. After killing Goliath, he goes to serve the king. That was a layer. He's so good at serving the king that he becomes the general of a hundred. He kills at becoming the general of a hundred. That was a layer. Then he gets promoted to become the general of a thousand. He kills at that. Then that was a layer. Then he becomes the general of 10,000. Boom. That was a layer. Then he becomes a fugitive on the run because Saul wants to kill him because he's jealous because people will be jealous when they begin to see God's hand on your life and not theirs. You need to know that. And so Saul begins to get jealous because he sees God's hand on David's life and he, and, and he sends him into the cave of Adullam as a fugitive. But you know what? What looked like the what looked like the end, what looked like failure, guess what that was? Guess what that was? Just another layer. What if you looked at every shortcoming, every detour, every frustration as just a layer of the thing that God's building to get you to the place that he wants you to go? What if you just said, that's not, that didn't get fired, that's a layer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't, she didn't break up with me. She was a layer. Come on, somebody. She didn't, he didn't. It was just a layer. That wasn't a divorce. That was a layer. God is preparing me, and he does it in layers. And let me tell you something. If you don't take the layer that you're on seriously right now, you won't get to the next layer. Because sometimes God puts us on a layer that doesn't seem significant. But I want you to know that there are no such things as insignificant layers. If you're working at McDonald's, let me tell you, you better flip them burgers with passion. Flip them burgers like it's nobody's business. When somebody asks you for a, for a small fry, you say, absolutely. What are you, I'm getting right now. Is that enough salt? What do you need? I will add it. That's it. You know, if, if you're a stay-at-home mom, be the best stay-at-home mom you can be. If you're, if, if you're working in hospitality, be the best at that that you can be. You got to work your layer because there are no important or insignificant layers. God says this way. He says, if you're faithful with the little... I'll give you much, but I got to test you with the, la the lower layer first in order to bring you up higher. I'm so grateful that, that David took every layer important. You know what brought him to fight David, to fight Goliath? People think, man, his story really took off at Goliath. Yeah, but the only reason he ended up at the field even was because his father said, hey, I need somebody to bring bread and cheese to your brothers. Your brothers, by the way, who hate you. Your brothers, by the way, who don't like you. Your brothers, by the way, who don't believe in what God told you. Your brothers, by the way, who, who, who are convinced that you'll always remain unfinished. The people who don't like you. The father who didn't even bother to bring you out when Samuel was, uh, was anointing people. People he don't like. He's saying, I want you to serve the people you don't like. That's a word for somebody. I want you to serve and love the people you don't like. And so, and so, and so David, imagine if David had said, no way. I'm a king. I know what my destiny is. I know what awaits for me. I'm not, I'm not a delivery boy. Boy, I'm the king. You bring me bread. You bring me cheese. He doesn't. He goes, all right, I'll serve. I'll humble myself. I'll bring it. And in bringing the bread and the cheese, he meets Goliath. I'm trying to tell you, your destiny is just a couple of layers. But if you, if, you, if you feel like the layer you're at now is insignificant. See, I know some people who are working in an office picking up a phone as secretaries who know that they're entrepreneurs and businessmen and businesswomen. They know it. But the problem is they're really not a great secretary because they keep thinking about that business. And God is like, if you would just be a faithful, amazing secretary, I'll do things that you can't do to help bring you to that business. Can I give you a good, a good quick thing to tell yourself? When you start to doubt, when you start to wonder if what you're doing is even worth it, don't focus on what's next. Focus on what's now. 
Not what's next, what's now. Somebody say, what's now? Say it again, what's now? What's now? What's now? Starting to fade there at the end because some of you don't like now. But now is where it's at. If you got your mind on next, you won't take care of now. God won't deem you as a good steward, and then he won't take you to the next layer. Amen. And this is our final step. This is the final thing that you do uh, to get ready in the meantime, to wait in the meantime. So you prepare, you layer. The final layer, I really had the hardest time preaching this. Um, This is the final layer. Again, like I had to take notes, y'all. There's eyeshadow, liner, mascara, lipstick, eyebrows. And what's funny is that a couple things, that this is the only thing people really see. They only see the lipstick and the mascara and the eyebrows and all that, but that comes after all the things that nobody sees. And I guess I just wanted to pause there for a second and tell you, hey, the thing that you're looking to see doesn't come until after all the things that you're doing that nobody sees. You know, so I just want to pause there. But then secondly, I thought, okay, well, how do I, how do I really bring this home? Because at this point, she's finished. At this point, you're finished, and, and we're unfinished. So how do I really, how do I really bring this around and encourage you? And, and what, what are we going to call this final phase of, of beauty, and, uh, and here's what I, what I kind of settled on. I want to share with you a, a passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3. You see, because um, what really hit me was uh, my wedding day. My wife and I were at a wedding last night. It was beautiful. The, bl- the bride was beautiful. Makeup done, perfect, hair done perfect. And I remembered, I was talking to my wife while we were there. We were going over our wedding day. And so I remember uh, being um, the groom, you know, watching... And I tell people, you know, don't spend too much money on your wedding because you don't even remember it, to be honest. Like, I don't remember anything from my wedding. I only remember one thing, um, and that was when Liz walked down the aisle. Only thing I remember, it's forever etched in my mind. It's like a slow-motion movie that is fresh. I can recall it on demand. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, and I remember I can hear people in the audience, you know, sitting down. They were whispering and saying, oh, she's so beautiful. Oh my God, look at her hair. Oh my goodness, look at her makeup. Oh my gosh, look at all of her, all of her music. She's so beautiful. Look at all of her music. Look at all of her. <laughs> look at all of her. She's so beautiful. And, uh, and, and, and I remember standing there thinking this one thing to myself. How come that everybody is just seeing now for the first time what I already knew before she was finished? Before she was done, before her hair was on point, before her makeup was on point, I thought she was beautiful way before she was finished. And, 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 then, and then I read this passage, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them. You guys can play. A king with them. David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, looking, and they anointed David king over Israel. Now, what's interesting about that? They anointed David king over Israel. That's, that's actually the second time he had been anointed. Remember 1 Samuel? Was he anointed to be king in 1 Samuel? Yes or no? Yeah. And who did the anointing there? God, through Samuel. But now, in another book, 20-something chapters later, now everybody is seeing for the first time what David believed 20 chapters before. Here's the final stage. Here's the final thing you do in the meantime. Are you ready? The first is you got to prepare. You got to allow some things to be removed from your life. You got to allow God to add things to your life. The 
The second thing is layer. You got to work at where you're at now because working at where you're at now will take you to what's next. But if you don't appreciate or you deem what is now as insignificant, you won't get there. So you got to work on now. The third thing, listen, what really got David through it wasn't just preparation. What really got David through the waiting wasn't just layering. What really got David through in the meantime was always believing. Believing that one day others would see what he already knew about himself. Are you following me? He didn't need the validation of other people. He didn't need to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. David, you're the king. He said, boy, I was the king when I was a shepherd. I was a king when nobody knew my name. I was a king when I was picking up stuff. I was a king when I was fighting bears. I was a king when I was playing music. I was a king way before anybody gave me credit for it. And I kept believing that I was a king. You got to keep believing and be certain that the God who began the good work within you will continue until it is finally finished on the day when, when, when Christ Jesus returns. Can you believe until? Believe until. That's the third phase. Believe until. I'm believing and I'm not going to let go of my faith. I'm going to continue to believe that God has got my future hemmed up. I'm going to believe that what I see inside of me is going to come out of me. I believe that one day others will see what God said. I believe and I'm going to hold and I will not doubt and I will not fear. I will believe. Would you stand to your feet as we close up today? Because there's one struggle about believing. One struggle about believing that you need to really hone in on. And so give me your attention just five more minutes because I really do feel like this is what you need to rest on and resonate on. You don't have to raise your hand. Just look at me. If believing ever gets hard. I mean, it's easy to say you believe. I think on Sunday to declare God will finish is easy. But on Monday when you're asking God, when will you finish? I think that's the reality of life. It's easy to believe he's going to fix me. It's easy to believe that he's going to, but when time becomes a factor, we start to doubt. And, and here's how I want to encourage you, okay? You know why it's hard to believe? You know why it's hard to believe? Paul said, and I am certain that, what? Yeah. And I am certain that God. Let's say it all together. And I am certain that, you know what he didn't say? And I am certain that Paul will get out of jail one day and that his work will be finished. He didn't say it. You know why he didn't say it? Because if your confidence is founded on yourself, it is faulty. The reason why we have trouble believing is because we are the center of our belief. And so that's hard because I'm not good and I have problems and I'm not the best. And so if I think I'm confident, I am certain that JJ will be successful at pastoring. That's a problem because JJ's got problems and I don't know that JJ has what it takes to build the church that I know that God, see, I can't put certainty on myself, but you know what gives me confidence? And I am certain that God, ooh, ooh, come on. And I am certain that God, I'm not certain 
that Andre. I'm not certain that Ingrid. I'm not certain that Liz. I'm not certain that Isaiah. I'm not certain that Elise. I'm not certain that David. I'm not certain that Rebecca. I'm not going to place my certainty on me because I don't have it all together. But if I can say, and I am certain that God who began the good work within me, here's what you got to do today. You got to redirect all of your trust on him and offer yourself. So would you lift your hands this afternoon and begin to put your trust in God. Somebody needs to say it. And I am certain that God in his goodness, in his power, in his beauty, if he could come back to life, then I know he can do this in my life. And I am certain that God who began the good work within me will, he will continue until it is finally finished. Come on. Yeah, and I'm certain that God, and I'm certain that God, and I'm certain that God. Yeah, we need somebody with a little gospel in them to say something like, won't he do it? Come on, say, won't he do it? Feels good. So you got to tell somebody when they begin to doubt, won't he do it? He going to do it? Know that he will. We'll put our confidence in God. And maybe you're here today and you have yet to put your confidence in God. You have yet to put your trust in Jesus. Well, hopefully I've convinced you that up until this point that he's the one to put your trust in. And so, hey, if you're here this afternoon and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you want to put your trust in the hands of the artist today, I'm going to ask for a moment of privacy that every head would be bowed, every eye would be closed. If you're in this room and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal and a sign. I am putting my trust. He and I am certain that God will finish the process in me. He's going to continue it until it's done. If that's you, on three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. One, two, three. All over this place right now. Hands high, hands high, hands high. Come on. I see that hand. I see it. I see it. Come on. Can we welcome, come on, men and women into the family of Christ for the first time. Hey, let's pray this prayer together, church. Father God, thank you for who you are. Forgive me for my past. I give you my future, what's next, and what's now. Jesus, live inside my heart. Forgive me. Use me. Prepare me. I love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more hand clap. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be there ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.